Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. The gospel, by definition, the word gospel, is the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, the gospel itself cannot save you, but the gospel can tell you about who can save you. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, points us to a Savior, Jesus. And our goal in life is not to chase after the gospel so much as it is to chase after Him, the person of Christ. I had a conversation Friday night with a young man who was talking about that we should chase, chase our purpose. He asked me, interesting question, I've not been asked this in a long time. He could tell that I was older. I don't know how. But he asked me the question, he said, so what would you say is like the one thing, uh, the, one, the one thing in your life? What was it that you would, if you were giving me advice for my life, what would you say? And uh, it, it was easy for me to say that life is about chasing after Jesus. And I gave him a few more tips and points. You, a preacher can't ask that question without following it up with, you know, some examples and illustrations and Bible verses. But, but truly... Relationship with Christ is the secret to life. That's it. That's the good news. The good news points us, yes, to purpose, but the good news points us to a person, the person of Christ. And we enter into purposeful relationship, not just purpose, but relationship with a living God. This is the good news of Christ. This is when we share the gospel with people, we share the gospel which leads to the person of Christ. Our hope is that they would meet Jesus that they would repent of their sins and follow Him the rest of their days so that their life would be transformed forever and that they would have life eternally. They would meet Him at some point. When they die, they would see Him face to face. God's design was that we are in relationship with our Creator. If I were sharing Christ with you, that's what I would tell you. I would tell you that God's purpose for you is that you are in active relationship with the God who made you. That's our whole purpose of life is to be in that sweet relationship with our Creator. It's God's design. Now, that's how He started off the planet, was people in fellowship with Him, who walked with Him, who hung out with Him, who celebrated with Him. It was sin that changed that whole picture in their life. Right in the Garden of Eden, it was sin. It was sin that exposed, that shamed. It was the first time people realized that they were actually unclothed was when they sinned. The first time they had shame. And God in His grace gave them clothing. That was the first sacrifice. It was the sacrifice of an animal. He made clothes for them to cover their shame. And Jesus, our Creator, continues to create a plan to cover our shame, to forgive us, to restore us, to reconcile us, to pull us back to Him. God has made an extraordinary path for us so that in Christ, our sins are paid for. Our sins, the curse of our lives is paid for on the cross. Our sins have been paid for and we have life in Christ. Romans, Romans says this, Romans 5, verse 17. In speaking of Adam, that first sinner, all right? You could argue that Eve was the first sinner, but let's... <laughs> Let's go with both of them together at the same time. How about that for our purposes this morning? For if because of one man's trespasses, 
death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. So you see the gospel is an invitation, yes, to relationship, to forgiveness, absolutely. But it's an invitation to reign in life, to actually master life, to, to live well. That's the invitation of Christ. That's why it's called good news. This is not just okay news. This isn't like, you know, uh, sort of all right news or it's important, but not that exciting news. No, no, no. It's really good news because it brings us into this knowledge and understanding that, wow, if, if I decide to follow Christ, my life's going to be transformed. He will take me, this free gift of God. He will give me life. And I'll enter into a relationship with Him. John 3.16 says what? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should what? Should not perish, but have what kind of life? Eternal life. Salvation is not just that we don't perish, right? But that we move from death to eternal life. Romans 10.9, again, these are all great verses, by the way. If you want to share the, the gospel with someone, you want to share Christ with someone, these are great verses to use. Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, what happens? You will be saved. So when we share the gospel with people, we're inviting them to make this decision. We're inviting them to accept this free gift of God. Now, if you're in the room this morning, uh, I trust you are if you're here. Uh, if you're online uh, this morning uh, and you've made this decision to follow Christ, it's possible that you've decided to approach your faith in possibly three different ways. All right? And I'm hoping that you're investing your life in Christ, but there's a possibility that you might be approaching your faith in a different way. Look at this. I think there's three, there's probably more ways that we can behave after Christ, but uh, uh, this is, uh, there are three ways that I'd like to share with you this morning. It's possible that you could enter into a life of no activity. I believe it's on there. There it is. Okay. And to hit the other one too. Okay, great. Okay. All right. It's possible that you have a do-nothing faith, an inactive faith. Uh, possibly you gave your life to Christ and then you decided, okay, that's it, done. I've got my fire insurance and now I'm going to do nothing with it. All right? Possibly you have a, a reactive faith. Maybe, yeah, you try to follow Christ, but you only get excited about Jesus when you have a problem. Uh, and then you react uh, in those difficult moments and say, you know, I should be praying more. <laughs> I'm in a crisis. Or it's possible that, that you have decided to invest your whole life, to give Him everything, to plan. You've been proactive. You are investing your life in Him. Let, let's start with the do-nothing faith. This is the lie of faith, uh, is that once we're a child of God, all the work is done. Once possibly you, uh, you prayed with someone maybe, or someone invited you to follow Christ, and you, and you said, okay, God, and you, and you placed your faith in Jesus, and, um, but that's where it stopped. I don't see anywhere in Scripture uh, where we are invited to this kind of faith. 
And I would say to you this this morning, that if that was really God's purpose for us in, in just getting fire insurance, as it were, if that was His only purpose for us, then honestly the Bible could have stopped at John 3.16 and, and have nothing past John 3.16 in the Bible. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then there's no instructions whatsoever afterwards. But often, the do-nothing faith person is a victim of life. So possibly, when you gave your life to Christ, uh, you come from a victimized background. Possibly, this is your history. You really don't believe and have never believed that there's any kind of future for you that you can impact, that you can't make decisions today that impact your future. And so you just wanted to get the whole eternal issue solved quickly and then sit back into your lifestyle, which is to never, never plan or do anything to invest in your future. We're victims. And possibly because of extreme victimization in your life, you don't believe that you have any power or control to change your future. And very often, this belief, this system of operating comes into your new walk with Christ. And so you do nothing. We stay victims, believing we have no power over our future, our destiny. Instead, <laughs> we blame others, right, for our lives. We never take responsibility, but we blame everyone else for our behavior. It's my parents' fault. I mean, look how my parents raised me. We blame others. We blame the government. When's the last time you got mad at the government? I'm not sure what government you belong to, but probably yesterday, this morning, possibly, yeah. We tend to blame the church, right? The church is always a great target. The church. The church should not do things right. Let me pause there just for a moment about church. little side note about church. The church is not nearly organized enough to be all about and united against you. I've talked to them, yeah, <laughs> and they, they are not organized to destroy your life. Most churches are trying to do their best to, to help you understand what life is all about. That's what they're about. Now, granted, many of us have been hurt specifically by churches, and we can all tell those stories. I can tell you stories about different things, different people, but the church represents all of us imperfect people. That's the church, people. It's us. My grandmother used to tell me all the time, Brian, whatever you do, don't ever, said if you find a perfect church, don't join it. And I remember when I was a kid, I said, why? She said, because you'll ruin it. <laughs> yeah, you'll ruin it. I shared Christ with a guy who was a Harley Davidson writer and bitter with the church. And, uh, <clears throat> and he told me, he said, he said, well, I said, why don't you come join us? Come, you know, come with me. Come with me. I'll, I'll take you to church. And he said, I don't like that place. It's full of hypocrites. And I said, well, you'll fit right in then. You'll, you'll fit right in. You'll be perfect. He was working on his Harley Davidson, and he had a, a tool he was using, and he looked at me with the tool. I thought, oh, he's about to hit me. Uh, he didn't hit me, and he didn't go to church either. But we blame the church. A lot of us are like this, and we stay victims. We don't take any proactive steps 
We don't become part of the solution in churches. We just sit back very often and look at churches and criticize them. Critique how they worship, critique the pastors, critique where they meet. We become uh, uh, critics instead of actually participants in our faith. And absolutely, we've all been wronged in some way. Possibly, you have adopted a lifestyle of what people would call fatalism or determinism, and this is just the belief that somehow there's no way that you can impact your destiny, that everything that's happened to you or every decision you've made and the, and the consequences of your decisions were already predestined, and the inevitable consequences were there and you had no control of it. Uh, we speak like this very often, and you've actually heard me speak about this before earlier this year, but this issue of saying it is what it is, I'm not going to ask you to stop saying that this morning, but it, 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 when you say it is what it is, you are saying that you had no control over the situation or that you can't impact it. You might also be one who says, but what can you do? Tell a long story and you end it with, but what can you do? There's a lot that you can do. There's a lot. So I would invite you to actually move in and park into a, an attitude that you're not a victim. Move into that in Christ there's life. The gospel is a good news that invites us not just from perishing, but invites us into living. Jesus moves us into living instead of just avoiding this horrible world. It's possible, too, that you approach this world as, as a reactive. You have a reactive faith. This is that when problems come up, you react. And that's the whole content of your life. Maybe you have a sin that you, can, you keep doing over and over again, and you finally got tired of it. You said, you know, I need to talk to God about this, because I just can't stop this sin. And so you sin like the devil for weeks or months, and then all of a sudden you realize, you know, this is really hurting me. <laughs> I need to go back to church. I need to pray about this. I need to figure this out. Now, please, I'm not suggesting that you not come to church if you've had this, you know, months, months, and months of sin. Uh, yes, you should do that. But I would invite you to make a plan before the months and months of besetting sin. That's a great word, isn't it? Besetting? Uh, that means just like ongoing, habitual sin. I love that word. We're reactive. It reminds me of a, a friend of mine who came to my house one day, rang my, my bell of my, the gate, and he said, can I borrow a tarp from you? And I said, you need a tarp? Why do you need a tarp? I said, I'm happy to give you a tarp. I have a tarp. Happy to have a tarp. He says, well, my, my roof is leaking. And I said, uh, oh, really? How long has your roof been leaking? He said, about a year now. And I said, I need a tarp because it started raining. So I handed in the tarp and I said, hey, listen, hey, just a thought. When it's not raining, why don't you consider repairing your roof? And he said, why would I do that? It doesn't leak then. <laughs> I gave him the tarp knowing that I would never see the tarp again. We are reactive in our faith. Our view of the Christian life is one of avoiding temptation and sin. So we spend our lives just avoiding sin. We count the cost. We count the cost of our life and we say, okay, listen, when I give my life to Christ, I know I'm going to have to avoid a bunch of sin. And that's our whole perspective of the, of the walk is that it's just avoiding sin. People give their life to Christ and you ask them, so 
what are you going to do now? Well, I, I'm going to have to say goodbye to all my friends. I can't part anymore. And they begin to think of all these things we're going to have to not do. And that's when they're counting the cost. That's what they're doing. They're going, man, I'm going to have to not do that. I'm going to stop lying. I'm going to have to stop stealing. Whatever sin that they're into, they start thinking of that's the cost. That's the cost. They don't think that the cost really is, is that, but it is more so actually the cost of being persecuted for living for Christ. That's the cost Jesus wants us to think about. And it is costly, but it's worth it as we walk with Jesus Christ. We live very often believing that we cannot invest in our future, that we can only fix today. Is that how you live? That you could only fix the problems. You're only, your whole life is set up. Your whole walk with Christ is putting out fires instead of avoiding fires completely or planning to have, you know, rich, wonderful swims in beautiful fresh water. We're invited to life, not just avoidance. We're invited to life. We live in fear possibly of ancestors. We live in fear possibly of the world we live in. So we try to appease these spirits. We try to appease our families. We live our whole life just trying to stop all the horrible stuff that's coming our way instead of actually planning for the future, investing in a different kind of a life. We spend our lives appeasing the spiritual world instead of living. Jesus invites us to so much more than just that. You ask someone, so you're a follower of Christ now. What are you going to do? Well, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this anymore. You need to ask them the question then, but what are you going to do? You're going to stop doing that, but what are you going to start doing? What is that going to look like? And I just have to admit to you, all of you in this room this morning, and if you're online, that if your whole life is just do nothing or reactive, you're not living. You're not living. Your life really isn't okay. What kind of a life is that? Just avoiding sin. How horrible is that? How boring is that? Walking with Jesus is, is sweet. It's awesome. It's incredible. Remember, good news. Romans 5 says that we reign in life. We don't just manage life. Or we don't just put up with life or tolerate life. We reign in life as followers of Christ. We're, in, we're, we're saved from, yes, but we are saved into, saved into life. So we're invited to a proactive faith. What does that look like? We're invited to be planners, right? <laughs> to be planners. Planners operate from the reality that what I do now impacts my future self. So we live with this idea that no, not, nothing is just all predestined and inevitable. I can actually impact my future. And Lord, help us to be snapped out of this belief that I have no control over my future. That everything that happens to me is just the cards that have been dealt. And Lord, help us to be free from that lie. In Christ, we can make choices that impact our future. And we have a destiny in Him. He invites us to good works. This is the behavior of Christ. This is 
the, the reality of God is that he invites us into good work. And this is from the beginning. This was the intention from day one. Before the fall of man, we see this passage. Genesis 2 verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to what? To work it and do what? And keep it. The intention was not that we just sit back and enjoy the garden. You know? <laughs> hey, it's a beautiful river. Look how beautiful this is. Can you imagine Adam and Eve just sitting in an easy chair? You know, I mean, you can. I mean, I'm sure they did that. But they worked it, right? They worked it. They kept it. They enjoyed it. It's good work. It was fulfilling work. It's purposeful work. Meaningful work. Unfortunately, when most of us think about work today, because we live post-fall, we're after the fall, work is hard. <laughs> and you remember the work that happened later? You see this in Genesis. You see that they worked and with the sweat of their brow. I mean, it wasn't fun work. It was difficult work. It was now working in your offices now in Vintuk without air conditioning. You've been doing that lately, people? Yeah, sitting in your office going, how many of you have done that this week? I did it yesterday. And then I turned my fan on. I said, I have a fan. I don't have to sit here. But this is our world. We're invited to actually be actively involved in participating in the things of God. That's actually living. Meaningful, purposeful work. Jeremiah 29, verse 13 and 14 says this. In this process of actually initiating that relationship, what does he say here? If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will what? You'll find me. But you got to look, <laughs> right? You have to look. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes, and I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you, and I'll bring you home again to your own land. Now, please don't take this verse and, and run with it and say, oh, gosh, my fortunes are going to be restored, which for if you've never had fortunes, that's not good news. Uh, but we're not preaching this morning that you're going to be rich. That's not the point of this. The point of this is to say that if we seek him, we will find him. But we need to initiate. We need to seek after him. All right? You need to read this verse in context, Jeremiah 29. John 15, Jesus, the words of Jesus, what does he say? I'm the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I, I've given you. And then he gives his instructions in verse 4. He says what? Remain. Remain. And there's this interesting word there. We translate it into English, remain. We also translate it as abide. But it's an active, actively walking with Christ is what this word means. It's to abide. It's to continue to move with him. It's not stationary. Remaining is just not sitting and waiting. No, it's... It's hanging out with Jesus. Jesus is on the move. We move with Christ. Remain in me and I'll remain in you, right? We'll stay together. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you what? Remain in me. So Jesus here is motivating us to be fruitful, right? To actually bear fruit. To actually have produce. To actually work. To actually bear fruit. To do something. Not just sit back. Do, do nothing takes you nowhere. Reactive sometimes can help you, but only as it leads you to plan, to invest in Christ, to invest in Him. Paul wrote this in so many different ways in his letters to all the different churches. Let's start with this one. Paul, 
Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2. What does he say here? Imitate God. That's active, right? Not just sitting back and saying, no, I'm not a good imitator. I have no impersonating skills whatsoever. Nope. I'm just going to watch Jesus. Wow, he's good. He's really good. No, we imitate him. We are to actively imitate him. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his what? His dear children. Live a life filled with what? Love. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Invest in him. Imitate him. Chase after Jesus. It really is that. It's investing completely in him. Paul continues, Romans 5. He says, For while we are we're still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we, what? Be saved by him from the wrath of God. And this is the preamble to the verse I started off with this morning. Verse 17, For if because of one man's trespasses, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness do what? Say it with me. Reign in life. Say it with me. Reign in life. Pause for a moment. Think about that. What does it mean for you to reign in life? What does it look like for you? Jesus is inviting us to master life. To reign in life through Christ. Through Christ. This is, this is our choice now. We get to follow Him. He asks us to choose, the, to choose to put away the life of death. That's the avoiding of sin. That's stopping the sin that we've been part of. That's the repenting, turning away. But He invites us to choose Him. Romans 6, He continues. Romans 6, verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Don't let sin master you. But he invites you to master life, to make you obey his, his passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been, what? Brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. And then in verse 15, Romans 6, verse 15. He asked this question, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of, disobedience, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? We need to reframe the way we consider our lives and specifically how we see sin. Sin very often, like a lot of words that we use in the church, we, we, their, their meaning actually escapes us. We can't really connect to it. So sin very often has all kinds of uh, triggers probably in your mind when I say sin, right? It just goes... You're probably all over the show of what that does to you emotionally. But can you see that sin this morning for our purposes, and actually this is accurate, but understand that sin is really the thing that kills you. Sin is the thing that destroys you. Sin is the thing that kills you, ruins your life. 
So if you could see sin that way, that would be better. Sin is the thing that destroys you, that kills you. Jesus is the one who gives you life. Sin kills. God gives life. But we often think that sin kills and God kills because we sinned. And that's our view of God. I'm just trying to avoid God killing me. And often we live our lives as though somehow the sin that we're doing is going to give us some perspective of life, that sin is really our pathway to, at least for the moment, momentary life. And that God is the killer who's keeping us from having a good time. We need to, we need to flop the way we see this because the fact of the matter is, is that sin is what's killing you. God is the one who gives you life. And we need to shift in our focus. He tells us that grace abounds, that God's love and compassion, His nature is that He provides everything we need to overcome sin. He, he provides everything we need to be forgiven of all of our sin. That's when He says grace abounds. This God's love, when we sin, the, the greater the sin, the greater the love and power of God. God's capacity is is much greater than the impact of sin in our lives. He overcame death, the Bible tells us. Sin kills. Jesus overcame that. And this grace abounds when sin abounds. His grace is even greater. Possibly if you can uh, understand this metaphor. Grace abounded to be able to forgive the worst of sinners, right? Not to promote a life of sin, if you will. The diabetic, and I don't want to shame any diabetics in the room or online. Interesting culture we live in today that if you just say the word, maybe you're shaming someone. But the diabetic, all right, doesn't inject himself with more insulin so he can eat more sugar. Or at least he shouldn't do that. I have a diabetic friend who does that all the time. Man, he loves donuts. So insulin, donut. Woo. Uh, God gives us enough insulin to cover all the sugar damage we've already done and we'll keep doing. Then he invites us to a greater life that is better than binging on sugar. The fact of the matter is, is that too much refined sugar will kill you eventually. It just will. Jesus knows the gravity of our sin. He knows how deeply we are entrenched in our sin, right? He knows that. He's provided a way that we would be able to overcome the destruction and damage of sin so that we would have life in Him. So when He forgives us, we don't say, oh, fantastic, now I can sin all I want to. Let me just go more into this horrible, destructive pattern of life. No, that's not the invitation. The invitation is for you to actually be able to overcome this lifestyle that is destroying you. I don't, I've never met anyone, and including knowing myself well enough to know that uh, sin, ongoing sin, ultimately destroys me. It's destructive. But that Christ gives life. And that His grace is sufficient for the worst of sinners. God's love and power is sufficient for the worst of sinners. There's no sinner, there's no person so desperately out 
and, and who's gone so far away in life that Jesus' grace is not greater and more powerful and will forgive. The person of Christ comes to us because he loves us. And he forgives us. And then he invites us to new life. He invites us to have a wonderful life in him. It's good news, people. It's good news. Romans 6, verse 20, Paul says this, For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time? In other words, when you were enslaved to sin, what kind of fruit did you have in your life? He's saying here it just led to nothing. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is what? Death. Sin kills. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become, what? Slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and it's in, say it with me, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I would ask you to commit these two verses to memory, verse 22 and verse 23. If you can't do 22, at least do 23. For the wages of sin is what? Death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And, and, and say this over and over again. Remind yourself that, we, that sin kills. Jesus gives life. Praise the Lord with me this morning. Jesus gives life. Praise the Lord. This is good news. This is good news. Paul continues to write. says, continue to invest in him. Continue to invest. I'm going to fly through some verses here. Galatians 5. What does he say? Galatians 5 verse 1. Freedom. Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Verse 16 of Galatians 5. But I say, do what? Walk by the Spirit. He's inviting us to, to walk alongside Him. Never in Scripture is it supported that we just stand and watch life pass us by. No, we walk with the Spirit. We walk with Jesus. He tells us that if we walk by the Spirit, we're able to overcome sin. We're able to overcome these temptations in our life. Galatians 5 verse 19 says, The works of the flesh are what? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy. Been jealous lately? Fits of anger. When's the last time you were angry? Rivalries. In other words, those are divisions. Dissensions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. There's really nothing he left out, I think, in this list. I warned you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You see, this is an invitation to walk in the Spirit and our lives are transformed. He finishes that Galatians chapter 5 by saying this. Galatians 5 verse 29. If we live by the Spirit, let us also do what? Keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. I bring this up to you, and I've actually presented this to this church and this congregation many times. This is not the first time you've heard me talk about this. 
because I want to keep reminding us and reminding us, like we do with our worship songs that we sing over and over and over again, and we still sing them and enjoy them, I want you to actually really, really, I'm inviting you to really focus here and understand what this means. Paul here in Galatians 5 and 6, in relation to how we operate with the Spirit of God, invites us to three different ways of functioning with Him. And if you do the, if you do the research here, you will see that each one of these words are different words in, in the original language of the Bible. These are all different ways of operating. The walk by the Spirit, sorry, to, to be led, to walk by, to be led by the Spirit, is this idea of us holding the hand of God and God leading us where we're supposed to go. It's, it would be this picture, but you've probably seen before, of people trying to cross the street in whatever neighborhood that you live in, and, um, and a concerned mother, if they have a concerned mother, is holding their hand and trying to walk them across. Uh, this is what Jesus does for us. He, and, and we're to be led by Him, to walk by. We actually function and walk by His leadership. That's what that word means there, is to be, to be led by, to, to walk by. And then the keep in step with the Spirit in verse 25 of Galatians 25 is this idea of actually aligning our behavior totally with everything He's doing, to walk the way He walks. Uh, this, the same way that a soldier would keep in step in cadence with a person that's next to them. No. This is not how soldiers operate. <laughs> this is for Nico. Right there. Yeah. Right. They asked me this morning to dance, a disco dance. I don't know what that was about anyway. Yeah. To keep in step with the Spirit, all right? But to keep, to, to, to put your feet the same cadence, the same way, the same pathway that Jesus is moving and to walk like He walks. Keep in step. Basically, keep up with Jesus. Move with Him. That's what it means. And then Galatians 6. Galatians 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh and from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows into the Spirit does what? Will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now this is the clear invitation of God to plant your life into His life. To intentionally invest in Him. Sow into. It's the picture of farming. You plant seeds, right? And then you water. You wait. All right? But you continue. You plant seeds. Now, uh, this actually idea of sowing into the Spirit has been abused by some churches. This idea that if you just give me a, a seed, you know, this is a, <laughs> a, a faith seed, you're going to be rich. Uh, I'm using this accent because a lot of Southern people who abuse people uh, who are broadcasting on your networks here in Namibia, inviting you to, to give them a seed of faith, right? Which is what they're saying is, please pay me and you will also be rich. That's what they're offering you. This is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us to invest in the Spirit, to invest in Him. He specifically says, into the Spirit of God, the living, we would call the living Word, the living Spirit, the active living God. Invest in Him. And very often, investing in Him will not make you rich financially. It's not going to fill your pocketbook but it'll fill you with joy. It'll fill you with peace. It'll fill you with life. And if you still believe the lie that somehow that money, all the money in the world will give you life, it doesn't. It leads to destruction. 
but sowing into Christ, sowing into Him. That's where life is. That's where life is. In Ephesians, which you don't have the passage this morning, but Ephesians, Paul says, be filled by the Spirit. These are all different ways that we operate and function with the Spirit of God. We're led by, we walk by the Spirit. We keep in step with the Spirit. Let me do this with me this morning. Keep in step. We sow into, we invest into Him. We plant our lives into His service. This is the same idea Jesus was saying in, in John 15. This idea of remaining and abiding in Christ. Functioning, investing in Him. Sowing into Him. Why? Because God gives life. Not to mention the fact that your future self will thank you. I promise you, you invest in Christ now. Even in five minutes, you're going to be grateful. And you're going to hear from the Lord. You're going to experience living like you've not had before because you invested in Him. He says that if we speak to Him, He hears us and He answers. He invites us in so many different ways. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you'll find. We're invited to operate, to function, to work and move with Christ, to, to plan, to invest in Christ. That's the good news. We've heard the good news from this church last couple of weeks, very powerfully presented. I don't know if you were here listening to Mike uh, a couple of weeks ago. Is it two weeks ago now? Something like that. Yeah. You spoke on Isaiah 53. If you haven't heard that sermon, go back and hear that sermon. It is such a clear presentation of the gospel. It's powerful. You need to go back and see it. It's on Facebook. Listen to it. Rico preached an incredible sermon last Sunday. Uh, and in all these sermons, uh, we, we've all attempted to, to present the good news of Jesus Christ, right? And you know what? After every service, uh, we've had people come and talk to us after the service about the sermon. And they say, what is it? When you said this, what did you mean with this? When you talk about good news or walking in Christ, what does that look like? So we've had really good conversations after our services. And it's from those conversations that prompted this sermon today. Because I wanted to say to all of us this morning that uh, the good news invites us, yes, to forgiveness. But, but maybe if you didn't hear everything that actually was shared very beautifully in the past couple of weeks, we wanted to say it again, that... We're invited to life. That's the invitation. And when we take a step of faith and say, Lord, yes, I want to follow you, the Spirit of God begins to speak to us. Where you're not hearing Him now, you will hear Him if you just step out in faith and trust Him. We're invited to life, not death. We're being saved from death into I'd be happy to speak to you after our service this morning. I'd love to talk to you if you're still struggling with these issues. I'd love to, to help walk you to follow Christ this morning. I would love to do that this morning. Uh, if you're still debating this whole thing or counting the cost, should I follow God or not? Don't debate anymore. There's life in Christ. And many of us here in this room know that, and we would love to talk to you about that and to help walk you there. Jesus gives life. Let's pray. Stand together. Let's pray. And as we close today, I do want to say a special thank you for all of you, those of you who were able to keep your eyes open through the sermon. I know we partied hard. I did too last night watching the Springboks. Yeah. Uh, 
But uh, man, it's good to have you here this morning. And it's really good to see your faces. And I hope you enjoyed fellowship. We don't want you to leave us this morning without considering that you could follow Jesus Christ. That's our main thing. After that, uh, we have coffee that's being served downstairs. And we'd love for you to join us. We can, we can talk over coffee. This is, this is New Song Family Church. We don't just talk about salvation without coffee. We do it with coffee. But maybe you would like to follow Christ this morning. You would like to make that step. You'd like to make that choice this morning. This is your time. This is your time. Let's pray together. And worshipers, leaders, come join us. Lord Jesus, we praise you. We thank you. Thank you for the joy you give us. Lord, thank you for taking us away from desperate situations, Lord. Lord, thank you that you invite us to a life that for many of us we've not experienced yet, Father, and so we're debating. And we ask, God, that you just give us a glimpse this morning of, of what's ahead of us if we follow you, Lord. Speak to us deeply this morning. Lord, we praise you and we love you. In your name I pray. This is Rico Veca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.